Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. Uh, good morning and welcome to Uncommon Church. I'm excited to get into the Bible today, and uh, I want you to open your heart and open your eyes, uh, open your mind to see what God wants to speak to us. I'm going to talk for 30 minutes, but who cares about what I have to say? Let's look at what the Bible has to say. It is the bread of life that's going to nourish and transform our lives today. Uh, if you're new and you're visiting, um, in the year uh, 2022, we feel God has asked us to advance in seven areas that we kind of feel like... The, we and the church in general kind of lost ground um, in 2020 and 2021. Um, so these are seven areas that I want to take back some of the ground that was lost. And then I want to advance um, and, and move forward uh, into things well beyond, uh, you know, where God has us. I want to go deeper. And those seven areas are in spiritual lifestyle, that, that all day, every day, we would live a spiritual lifestyle. Uh, number two, in evangelism. Uh, number three, in discipleship. Number four, in the next generation. Number five, in our finances. Number six, in world missions. And number seven is in our influence in the community. And last week, I talked all about authority and living under authority. And we talked a lot about our discipleship process, that we would grow as disciples personally, and we would be mindful that we should be discipling other people. And we talked about um, authority coming from God. And of course, I read you the famous scripture. I'll, I'll reread it here. Romans chapter 13, verse 1, um, where the Apostle Paul was teaching those Christians in Rome that even though the Roman government is crooked, everyone must submit to the governing authorities. For all authority comes from God. Let me repeat that. All authority comes from God. And all authority coming from God, meaning that anybody in a position of authority has been placed there by God. So anybody who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and they're going to be punished. So all authority comes from God. Therefore, God is the head of all authority and then authority trickles down from God to the rest of us. So last week I talked about the fact that we need to learn to live our lives submitted to authority. And we gave you five areas that we need to learn to be submitted in. And then I, I said this phrase here that we can't learn to live in authority until we learn to live under authority first. And if, if all authority comes from God, let's talk about the chain of command of that authority. So we have to go literally back to Genesis chapter 1, the beginning, the first page of your Bible. We read in Genesis chapter 1 that God gave authority to Adam and Eve. And so well, let's, let's go ahead and read it real quick. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. And he said to Adam and Eve, he said, here's our command. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it, meaning have authority over it. Have dominion, have authority over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God took Adam and Eve, he, he put them in the Garden of Eden, he said, here is the world, here is the earth, and here is your assignment. Because authority and assignment always go together. He says, I want you to have dominion over the earth, be fruitful, have babies, multiply, farm, have, grow fruit, and, and because you have authority over the earth. So their assignment and their authority go hand in hand. And then of course, I think we all know Genesis chapter three, um, the devil comes into the garden and he deceives Adam and Eve. And what he does is he causes them to doubt. And doubt is something that'll come in and it'll always challenge authority. 
So I, before I read to this, I want to remind you that Adam and Eve were literally created in the image of God. And the devil says, hey, Adam, Eve, wouldn't you like to be just like God and kind of look like God and have authority like God? See, they didn't recognize that they already did. So they gave away what they already had because they were deceived by the devil. So then in Genesis chapter 3, um, Adam and Eve sin against God and the authority that God gave them, then they gave that authority to the devil. So the Lord had to create a rescue plan because he had to go in and, and recapture that authority that was given to mankind. So he picks you know, one guy, Abram. Uh, who after he had children, you know, he called him Abraham, who would be the father of many nations. So Abraham had a boy named Isaac, and he had a, a son named Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, which created the nation of Israel. And then from that, you know, fast forward into the people of Israel, and you've got um, King David. Um, that, that this, this is all following one family tree. And then from King David, you read about Joseph and Mary. And then from Joseph and Mary, there's this miracle baby named Jesus. And although he was tempted to sin, although he was tempted to give away his authority, although he was tempted to doubt God, Jesus lived a sinless life. And he did not sin in the same way that Adam and Eve did. So when the time came, 33 years later, Jesus loved the world so much that he gave up his sinless life and he died on the cross and he took our sin, your sin and my sin to the cross. And I think we all know that Jesus defeated sin, he defeated sickness, he de even defeated death, he defeated hell, he defeated the demons, he, and, and then he rose from the dead, which we celebrated a few weeks ago on Easter. So, but, okay, clap, because I know that's an exciting thing, and I didn't set you up right. Sometimes it's on you, that one was on me. But here's what happened at Easter. Man, Adam and Eve, man gave up authority, so a man had to go get the authority back. And then Jesus wanted God's children to have that authority so that he gives the authority back to the children of God. So after the resurrection in the universe, there is a new sheriff in town. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, after the resurrection, he came and told the disciples, he said, I have been given all authority in heaven, but then check this out, and in the earth. Jesus says, I have been given all authority in heaven, but I also have been given all the authority here in the earth. Therefore, and here's the assignment, Go and make disciples of all nations. So that right there is where the authority is then tied back to a mission. And Jesus says, I have all the authority in heaven. I have all the authority on the earth. I am a new sheriff in town. And if you are going to be my follower, I am deputizing you to go into all the world and transform nations in my name. Jesus took back authority and then he gave the authority to us that are his followers. So as a believer in Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, you have the full authority that Jesus has, and he has given it to each one of us. The Apostle Paul was writing a letter to a church in Ephesus, which is a Gentile church, a lot like ours, and there's a lot we can learn about authority and on spiritual warfare. Um, we all know it is the armor of God. I'm not going to read all of it, but I just want to read the setup. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11, Paul says, uncommon church, I want you to put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against all of the strategies of the devil. Because we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We're fighting against rulers and authorities in an unseen world. We're, we're fighting against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. 
And then he goes on to instruct about putting on the full armor of God. Basically what he's saying is, listen, we're not going to fight hand-to-hand combat. We're going to fight in prayer. And when you go in to fight in prayer, you have all of the authority of Jesus. I want you to repeat that. I have all the authority in Jesus' name. Now I want you to say it like you mean it. I have all the authority in Jesus' name. Because the first time you were just saying it because I asked you to say it, you didn't say it like you meant it. Here's my question. If we have this authority, why is Paul teaching us how to fight a spiritual battle? Because although we do have the authority that Jesus gives us, the devil still has some power. See, the devil no longer has authority on the earth. He no longer has an assignment here on earth, but he still does have power in spiritual places, and demonic places. And authority and power are always going to go hand in hand. The illustration that I used, I, I set it up last week. Actually, it wasn't even part of my illustration. I just happened to, to use it because uh, Greg Still was in the front row. And if you remember, Greg's a big tall guy and he held up the umbrella as the head of his home. And then his wife, Michelle, came and she came under his umbrella, right? But, and I also mentioned, that's what it was, I mentioned in passing that Greg is a Euless police officer. In fact, I asked if he would be here today, and Michelle said he's on duty, so don't speed when you leave church. <laughs> that would be, Greg would have to write you a ticket. So, um, but the thing about a police officer is they have a badge which represents their authority, but they also have a gun to enforce their authority with power. The devil has no authority, but he still has power. So people say, well, why do, good thing, why do bad things happen to good people? Because the devil still has power. But for 2,000 years, he has had no authority. That has been given to the followers of Jesus. Because authority comes in the commissioning. Authority comes in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus said, I have all authority in heaven. I have all authority in the earth. So if you're my follower, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. The devil has some power, but he no longer has an assignment. He no longer has a commissioning here on the earth. We are the ones that have both power and authority in Jesus' name to make disciples of all nations. So our authority actually comes from our assignment. Jesus said, I have all the authority, so go and make disciples. So let's go back to our police example. So at some point years ago, Greg decided to be a Euless police officer. So he signs up. He gets approved, he goes to cop school, and he's got to read all the books and pass all the tests and watch all the videos and learn all the laws, and then that'll transition into like physical tactics and how to actually police, right? And then he graduates the program. I'm sure he was top of his class, right? No, he wasn't, Michelle said, okay. Well, he graduates the program nonetheless. (laughs) By the grace of God, Greg, Greg passed. And he was given a uniform, And he went to city hall or police headquarters here in Euless. And they actually have a a service where he was sworn in to become a peace officer in the state of Texas and in the city of Euless. He was commissioned. So he was given a badge which represents his authority. But then he was also given a gun to enforce the authority that comes with the, the badge. So he has both a mission and he has the power to protect the city of Euless. So, I, what it, so then you have to step back and be like, okay, so that's the example. The authority comes from the mission and then the power. How does that reflect to me? Well, what is our mission? If our authority comes from our mission, what is our mission? Our mission is to pick up where Jesus left off and continue the work of Jesus. First John chapter 3, Jesus uh, was referring back to, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. 
So Jesus was sent to destroy the works of the devil. So you're like, that, that's Jesus' assignment. That doesn't affect me. See, Jesus had authority because he was on a mission. But after 33 years on earth before returning to heaven, he then said in John chapter 20, after the resurrection, as the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. He transferred the mission to us. And here's, here's the thing that I need to say this. To the extent that we say yes to the mission is the extent of the authority that we walk in. Nobody really got that. Bible school students at Messenger, you need to pay attention because this is graduate level stuff right here. To the extent that we say yes to the mission is the extent of the authority that we will walk in. So we have, it's not an accident. Like we have to make an intentional yes decision to be obedient to the mission that God has called us to. So for example, um, I think police officers have to always carry their badge on them. Is that right? He always has his badge on him because he's a, he's a peace officer 24-7. So let's just say uh, Greg was here helping with the remodel. He pulls his badge wallet thing. He lays it on the stage and then he goes and moves something dirty or heavy or something. And I stumble across and I'm like, look, here is a city of Eulis police badge. I now have the authority of a police officer. No, it doesn't work that way. All I have is a piece of metal with Greg's badge number on it. It does not give me any authority. You can't trip into authority. Why? Because the authority that we walk in has to be transferred from a higher authority that places it in us. So do you see what I'm saying? So I got a wow. Okay, I finally figured out how I know how to do this. I, I, Carl, I feel like I'm preaching better than you're amening. We have to make an intentional decision that if Jesus called us to this mission, I will respond to it and be obedient to that call on my life. Therefore, the authority comes when I'm being obedient to the mission and the power comes from the Holy Spirit burning inside of me. Now here's a, I was typing and writing and studying and reading and cross-referencing and I had kind of a Brad thought. Wouldn't it be weird if a police officer didn't use their authority that they've been given? A police officer's in full uniform, badge, gun, on duty even. They go into Quick Trip. They're waiting in line to pay for their, you know, Diet Sprite. Because like anybody drinks Diet Sprite, right? And um, in front of them, a guy pulls a knife. And he's stabbing a knife at the QT person. And he's like, give me your khaki shorts and all your money, right? Wouldn't it be weird if the cop was just like, did nothing. It would be totally crazy to think that a cop would, I mean, unless it's like San Francisco, but it would be totally crazy to think that in the rest of the country that's, that, that a, right? I mean, you guys watch the news as much as I do. That a police officer who has been commissioned has both authority and power just stands there. But that's what happened when the church allows the devil to run all over our generation. We just watch it happen and we're like, oh, that's interesting. It's just not right. What was the point of Jesus dying on the cross, defeating sickness, death, hell, and the grave, rising from the dead, and saying, I'm gonna give you authority, and then I'm gonna give you my Holy Spirit for power, and then we do nothing with it. It just seems wrong. All right, I gotta move on. Our mission is to continue the ministry of Jesus on the earth to destroy the works of the devil. So when your child comes to you at two o'clock in the morning, burning up with fever, yes, we kiss the boo-boo, yes, we give them a Tylenol. Yes, we give them a Pedialyte. But we also take authority over that fever and bind and rebuke it in the name of Jesus and release healing into their body. 
You don't just go, oh, that's an interesting way that the devil has attacked my kid. You fight back because you have authority and you have power. So my thing is, say yes to the purpose that God has put on your life. Say yes to the mission. Because can I just tell you something? There's something more than just going to heaven. I know that sounds like super weird and like almost sacrilegious to say, but there's more to life than just, we live a good life, we are Christians and we go to heaven. Our mission, our assignment is actually to bring heaven to earth, on earth as it is in heaven. All right, let me give you the bigger part of the text. I won't have time to read it all, so here's a homework assignment for you. For those two of you that are taking notes, write down Matthew chapter eight. This is your homework assignment. I want you to read Matthew chapter eight slowly. If you have to, read it in one translation, and then a day later, read it in another translation, because I, I really want Matthew chapter eight to speak to you. Why? Because in Matthew chapter eight, Jesus is showing us many different ways that we should be operating in authority and power. In the first part of Matthew 8, Jesus heals a leper, somebody that had a skin disease. Now, I remind you that good Jews were not allowed to touch anybody with skin diseases. But instead of the skin disease getting on Jesus, the kingdom of God that was on the inside of Jesus got onto the leprosy and drove the leprosy out. The inside of reality of Jesus changed the outside reality for the man with leprosy. That's how the kingdom of God works. That's how authority and power works. What God has put on the inside of you was not meant to stay on the inside. It was meant to get out and push back works of darkness that the kingdom of God would advance. The next story in Matthew chapter 8 is that of a Roman centurion. A centurion was a rank in the military. I remind you that although Israel was Jewish, they were under Roman occupation, military rule, and the, these Gentile, you know, Italian soldiers. So there is this centurion in the north of Israel. Now, a centurion would have been, I don't know, kind of like a mid-level rank. They would have had 80 to 100 soldiers under them, and then all of the servants and the armor bearers and the people that cook and the you know, people that take care of the animals and horses. So it was, it was a guy that had some pretty significant rank. A, a centurion had to be at least 30 years old, and a centurion had to be able to read and write both in uh, Latin, or I guess they were still speaking Greek back then, and they would have had to have learned the local language. So he would have had to have learned Hebrew or Aramaic was the version of Hebrew they were using at the time. But he was a Roman Gentile that was commissioned by Rome to keep military occupation over northern Israel. So at some point in his ministry, in his career, he was stationed in Capernaum or outside Capernaum. Now, Capernaum was Jesus's headquarters. It's a small fishing village on the north of the Sea of Galilee, but that's where Jesus headquartered his ministry. So you have to assume that this centurion and his soldiers had heard Jesus speak several times. Because anytime there was a large crowd of Jews gathering, and we know that there were thousands of Jews that would listen to Jesus speak, the Roman centurions, I mean the Roman soldiers, would have been there to make sure they were keeping the peace. So this centurion has heard Jesus speak, which therefore means this centurion has probably seen Jesus do miracles, including cleansing leprosy and other things that we've just talked about Jesus doing. So at some point, this Roman centurion has put his faith in Jesus as Messiah. So we see this where in Matthew chapter eight, I'm just gonna read it real quick. When he had entered Capernaum, he being Jesus, a centurion came forward and he appealed to him and said, Lord, he called him Lord, I love that. He said, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home and he is suffering, suffering terribly. So Jesus said, okay, I'll come heal him. 
Verse eight, the centurion replied, Lord, Lord, bro, (laughs) I'm not even worthy to have you come under my roof, but if you'll just say the word, my servant will be healed. I too am a man under authority. Watch how authority works. This is what Jesus is teaching us in Matthew chapter eight. I am a man under authority, but I also have soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes. I say to this one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, y'all check this out in verse 10. Jesus marveled, and he said to the other Jews that were around him, I'm telling you the truth, guys. I haven't seen anybody in Israel that has as much faith as this guy does. And then that moment, the centurion's servant was healed. I want to have such faith and such obedience to the authority of God that it makes Jesus marvel. You see what I'm saying? This was a regular guy that made the king of the universe step back and go, dang, dude, I haven't seen faith like that in anybody of these people that are following me. I remind you, this Roman centurion fully understood how to live under authority. And I recently heard it said that we have to learn to live under authority before we can ever live in authority. But there was an invitation that was given that day from Jesus to this Roman centurion. He said, because you have surrendered your life, because you believe that I am the Messiah, I am inviting you to a place where you have authority and power in me. All right, we gotta move on. The next part of Matthew chapter eight, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. Peter's mother-in-law was burning up with fever. This is usually where I insert a really good mother-in-law joke, but I happen to like my mother-in-law but it fell as if you're wondering what the joke was. It said, um, (laughs) she doesn't watch these sermons, so, but somebody's gonna forward it to her. Um, Mixed emotions is when your mother-in-law goes off a cliff in your brand new truck, so. (laughs) That joke was funnier years ago. This seems wrong, because the, the closer I am to having my own kids and them getting married than my wife's a mother-in-law, like, that joke's gonna sting a little more in a couple years, so. Uh, okay. He cast out the fever. And then there's um, demons being cast out. We don't have time to get into that. But when Jesus casts out the demons, he doesn't yell, he doesn't scream, he doesn't throw holy water, he, with, with a word. He rebukes the demons and commands them to leave. You don't need to yell at demons. They're not hard of hearing. But sometimes they'll overstep their authority and they'll stay there until somebody tells them to leave. And then here's where I'm going and here's where I'm gonna read. The famous story of the disciples and Jesus getting into the boat to go to the other side. Now, I remind you that most of the disciples were fishermen. They knew the Sea of Galilee. They knew how to operate these boats. They had, had many hours on the sea. So Jesus gets in the boat and he trusts the disciples to do their thing, so he falls asleep. But there's a storm that comes up. And we'll read it real quick, Matthew chapter eight. When he got into the boat, his disciples followed. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but Jesus was asleep. They went and they woke him and they said, now this is a prayer. When you talk to God, what is it? It's prayer. They said, Lord, save us, we're gonna perish. And then he said, well, dude, why are you so afraid? Why are you so, have such little faith? It's funny that when people pray, this is the response that God gives. Why do you have so little faith? Jesus rose, he rebuked the winds and the sea, and then there was a great calm. And the men marveled and said, okay, so what kind of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? 
We've seen him heal lepers. We've seen him cast out demons. We've seen him open blind eyes. We've seen him multiply food. We've seen him turn water into wine. But even the sea and the wind obeys his authority. Let's go back to the beginning of that little story. They're in the boat. They're in the storm. They're in the going to the other side, and Jesus falls asleep. And here's the point. You only have authority over a storm that you can sleep in. You only have authority over a storm that you can sleep in. Because most Christians, a storm comes in our life, and we lose our dang mind. But what happened on this occasion was the peace that was on the inside of Jesus was released and the storm died down. Jesus wasn't sitting awake worrying about the storm. Jesus wasn't looking at the spreadsheets and the radar maps and the numbers and the details and the facts. Jesus was asleep. Jesus wasn't trying to fix the storm in his own strength. And in the same way that he healed the sick, in the same way that he drove out the fever, in the same way that he drove out those demons, he simply spoke to the storm and the chaos that was on the outside had to submit to the peace that was on the inside of him. So Jesus' internal reality changed the environment around him and then that became his external reality. I also want to point out when... Jesus got up, God the Father didn't calm the storm for Jesus, he did it through Jesus. Yes, we pray, yes, we ask, but sometimes God wants to do a miracle through you and not for you. Sometimes God wants to unlock power and authority and peace and hope and joy and life that's locked up on the inside of you and then release that on the outside of you to transform the world that you live in. So many Christians are transformed from the outside in. We are called, and the example given by Jesus, that we have such kingdom power locked up on the inside of us, we transform whatever room we walk into. There's more to life than just going to church. There's more to life than just being a good person. We have been seated together with Christ in heavenly places. All authority in heaven and on the earth has been given to the disciples of Jesus if we will be obedient to the assignment of Jesus. John puts it this way in 1 John chapter 4. He who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. That is the authority that we carry. We carry Jesus on the inside of us who wants to get out and transform the world on the outside of us. Why is this such an important point? Because humans leak. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's on the inside is gonna leak out on the outside. And too often, we're full of fear, we're full of a poverty mentality, we're fear, full of worry, we're full of sin, we're, we're full, full of fault-finding and criticism. And you, you walk in and somebody walks into the room, they might be smiling on the outside, but as they walk into the room, a sense of like yuck comes in and it affects everybody around them. Because everybody else is now suddenly full of fear. Everybody else is brought down. Everybody else is fault finding. Everybody else is critical. Everybody else is angry. Why? Because you transformed the room. Why? Because you're leaking. So part of walking in authority is realizing what are you full of? 
What is on the inside of you? Because what is on the inside of you is transforming the world around you. You have authority in Jesus to drive out fear, to drive out sickness, to drive out demons, to drive out hopelessness, that when a spirit-filled believer walks into the room, hope walks into the room, joy walks into the room, peace walks into the room, faith walks into the room, because you're there. You make the room better just by walking into it. We leak. If you're gonna leak, leak the kingdom of God wherever you go. So be so full of the kingdom of God that you leak Jesus wherever you go. You walk into a room, people are encouraged. People are beginning to pray for one another. People are being generous to one another. People are serving one another. People are seeing a situation that might seem desperate through the eyes of faith and the eyes of hope. Suddenly there's peace and joy. See, authority changes the world around you. Another point I wanna make, Jesus didn't like pray that the storm would stop. Jesus rebuked the storm. Therefore, it would appear that there was something in that storm that was actually being caused by the demonic instead of the kingdom of God. So that when Jesus rebuked it, the storm had to bow to the authority of Jesus. Listen carefully to what I'm about to say. Too often, when we face storms in our life, we face calamity, we face some sort of terrible accident, some sort of terrible diagnosis, some sort of terrible financial thing, and a Christian will say, well, that's just the judgment of God. When we attribute something to the Lord that it's actually the devil is doing, we lose all discernment in being able to determine if something is from God or from the enemy. So in life, whether you're up against sickness or demons or any attack of the enemy, you have to remember you're not alone. You plus God is always the majority. See, authority, you're not carrying a thing. Authority means you're carrying a person. So when the cards are stacked against in life, the hospital room and the doctors have said, man, we've, we've done all we can do, and there's, it's, um, it's, it's a million to one odds. And then you walk into a room, the odds change. Because you plus Jesus is a majority. The risen Jesus lives on the inside of you. The risen Jesus should be leaking and transforming the world around you. That's how it, walking in authority and power because you're on mission. Now let me also say this. You operating in power and authority is not for your own entertainment or personal gratification. It's not for you to write a book. It's not for you to have a podcast. It's not for you to become famous. It's for you to make Jesus famous into every room you walk into. Because you're carrying a person, not a thing. And let me also say this. Let me, this is important. Releasing kingdom authority and power into whatever room you walk into should not reinforce your identity. We've all heard stories of police officers that have put a little too much pride in the badge and in the authority and they have way overstepped their authority and they've actually broken the law. Our pride in life is not that we have authority. Our pride in life is that we are children of the Most High God. Our authority is Jesus' authority so we can't take pride in that. The fact that we can heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons, that's not for our benefit or our glory. That's for the Lord's kingdom to be advanced on the earth. All we need to do is take pride that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. 
That whole expression is from Luke chapter 10. Jesus sends out 72 of his followers to go to the surrounding villages and surrounding cities to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and they did. And then they return at the end of Luke chapter 10, and they returned with joy, and they said, Lord, even the demons were subject to us in your name. And Jesus said, listen, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy that nothing's gonna hurt you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice that the spirits are subject to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. See, yeah, we have authority to tread over serpents and over the, all the power of the enemy. Now, by the way, speaking of treading on serpents, I'm sure snakes have some value in the ecosystem. But in my world, as for me and my house, the only good snake is a dead snake. So trample on all the snakes. Thank you, Melinda, for a good amen. But our identity does not come in the fact that we've understood mission, we've understood authority, we've understood how to operate in the power of God. Our identity is not, does not at all come in operating in the power of God. Our identity is that we have been adopted into the kingdom of God. We're no longer orphans. We're children of the Most High God. And let me also say this. This is important. Listen to this. Even if you never live up to your royal identity in Christ, if you, if you never operate in your authority and power, if you never pray for anybody that's sick, you're never going to be loved more than you are right now in this moment. Did you hear what I said? If you never get this and operate in this, you're never gonna be loved by God more than you are right here and right now. Because there's no such thing as like a level 10 super Christian and then a level 2.5 regular Christian. There's no such thing as different levels of Christianity. Because if you do heal the sick and you raise the dead and you cast out demons, God will not and he cannot love you any more than he does right now. See, we don't operate in power and supernatural authority for God to love us more. Therefore, we can't find our identity into it. We step into that spiritual authority. Why? Simply to advance the kingdom of God on the earth, to bind up the brokenhearted, to introduce people that don't know Jesus to the good shepherd. The people are lost like sheep with no shepherd. We happen to have met the good shepherd and he will come and lead us beside still waters and he will protect us and hop up on your feet. Speaking of, that's, that's from Psalm 23. There's something very interesting about authority in Psalm 23. See, the good shepherd, he doesn't just take the sheep and puts them in a sheep pen and he hires other shepherds to stand around and protect them. Psalm 23 says, no, the good shepherd, man, he takes us for a walk. And then he brings us to this place where we're beside still waters. We've got green grass. He says, y'all, just rest. But then there's other times, like in verse five, where he's like, now, now I want you to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Don't fear any evil. And in verse five, he says, I'm gonna prepare a table before you right here in the presence of the enemies. You're like, wait, wait, what? See, walking in spiritual authority simply means we're unimpressed with the devil. Walking in spiritual authority means I don't really care what the devil does. I understand how authority works, so I really don't care what the devil does. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Like, I'm sure the, I'm sure the U.S. Navy 
I know that was on you. That wasn't on me. I set you up good. You just didn't clap it right. Like the US Navy has destroyers and battleships off the coast of Africa where there's all the pirates and you know, I'm the captain now, right? When the US Navy comes, they don't have any fear of like a little pirate boat. Like the US Air Force is not worried about the Air Force of Malta. You wanna know why? Because the mighty air wing of Malta has four propeller planes and three helicopters. None of them have guns on them. Jesus has no fear in what the devil is doing because he's put his Holy Spirit in his followers. So stop being so fascinated by the devil. Stop being worried about what the devil's doing. Let me also say this. You'll never have authority over something that you're entertained by. So no more horror movies, no more haunted houses, no more witches, no more movies and books about warlocks and demons and other demonic entertainment, even that you teach your children and toddlers. Disney wants to teach your kids to have a heart that is bent towards the supernatural, but it is not God's supernatural power, it's the devil's. But it's just cute when you make it cute. How does that work out when you fast forward that into adult life and we're entertained by the devil? You're not gonna have authority over something that you're entertained by. Go back to the beginning of this message. The devil wants to bring doubt. That's what he did in Genesis chapter three to Adam and Eve. They were confident in the mission and the authority. And then the devil came and said, really though? And that's where so many Christians live today, is in a place of doubt. I don't know if God's gonna heal. I don't know what God's will is. I don't know if I should go to this church. I don't know if I should take that job. I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if I should do that. I just don't know. I don't know if God is trying to kill me with this sickness. Listen, I love my kids. It's rare that I wanna kill them with sickness. Oh wait, it's never. Don't forget, the devil still has power. Too often we don't operate in Jesus' authority because we doubt God. If you're here this morning, I was talking to a guy this week at a local hardware store. I said, hey man, what church do you go to? He goes, oh, I'm not a big religion guy. I said, yeah, I'm not like a religion guy either. He said, no, I just mean we haven't, you know, the way I was raised and I served in the military, I just, we haven't really figured out what we're doing for religion. I'm like, oh man. And then we got interrupted. And people aren't looking for religion. They just wanna know if God's alive and he's real or if it's all a fairy tale. One of the best ways to do that is to leap the kingdom wherever you go. He's given you an assignment. He's given you authority. He's given you power. It's on the inside of you. But it wants to get out. When a river is coming down and it gets dammed up, if there's no outlet for the river, the river becomes dead and stank and everything in it dies. A river was meant to flow. God's put his Holy Spirit on the inside of you to flow through you, to not stay on the inside of you, but to get out at your work, at your school, in your neighborhood, at your grocery store, wherever you go. That's why we're meant to be a light in the darkness. A city on a hill can be seen because the light shines in the darkness. It's okay to be in the world, just don't be of it. It's okay that God puts you in a dark place. Shine, turn the lights on. 
If you're here this morning or you're watching online, hi, online people. I love you. I haven't really talked to you today. I hope you're doing okay. If you're here this morning, you're watching online and you still doubt the very existence of God, I don't blame you. Because generally speaking, the church hasn't done a good job of introducing the world to a risen Savior. We've done a good job of introducing you to church, to famous pastors, to big buildings, to great music and lights and smoke and the show, but we haven't introduced you to a risen Savior. And that's why you doubt. And then every time a famous pastor falls into sin, you're like, I knew it. If anything, every time a famous pastor falls into sin, that should be an example that God is real and the devil hates the church and he hates big churches because he hates thousands of people that know Jesus, so he's gonna attack the guy in charge. If anything, you should be like, oh man, and pray. Talking about a situation where, hopeless situation. Some of you have heard this story before. Um, I was an associate, actually at this time, I was like an associate to the associate pastor. Like I was like Dwight Schrute's assistant, like that intern that one summer they had interns. And our pastor said, hey, can you go to the hospital and pray? I understand that a member of our church is dying and I want you to be with the family and pray in case God forbid they die. I'm like, I don't wanna to go to that hospital visit. Like I want the senior pastor to go. I want the famous guy to go. Not, me, not little old assistant to the assistant. But there was nobody else. So I go to the hospital, I meet the family. and What's going on? Hey, it's, uh, it's mom. Mom's, uh, she's here at the end. They've got her on life support. It looks pretty bad. I go, is it your mom like 72? Like if you're under 40, I know 72 seems really, really old, but it's actually quite young. Amen from this section over here. And I had enough sense to go, is it your mom like 72? So I reached over, it was the, the lady. I said, in your spirit, in your heart of hearts, because it's a good Christian family. I said, do you feel like this is God and it's the end of mama's life and she's gonna go to heaven or that this is an attack of the enemy? She said, I absolutely feel like this is an attack of the enemy. If it was God, man, I would release her and bless her and I'll see her in heaven. This feels wrong to me. I said, well, let's pray like that. So we went in there and <laughs> you gotta understand, I'm not like the famous preacher guy. I'm just like the lowest member of a church staff, right? And there's all these doctors and nurses and they're sticking her with stuff and there's things beeping and there's the flat line, just like in the movies. And the doctor is up at her head and he's you know, doing stuff. And he goes, yeah? I go, I'm the, the preacher from the church. They've asked me, the family's asked me to pray. And he goes, well, dude, we're, we're at the end here. I go, I, I know, I know, but we're, we're gonna believe God for a miracle. And he's like, okay, everybody. The preacher's here, he wants to pray. He really set me up with like faith in the room, you know? And I kind of thought they were gonna leave the room. No, no, they just took a step back. So I'm like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And I went down and I, I knew her from church. Her name was Betty. I said, hey Betty, would you live in Jesus' name? I didn't yell, I didn't scream, I didn't cry. I put my hand on her forehead and I just prayed. Simple prayer, rebuked that death. And I slipped out and he's like, you done? I'm like, yeah, I'm done, that was it, that's all I got. So they go back and they're working and I go, he goes, and he, he gives me one of these 
So I, I take the family, I'm like, hey, let's go back out. Let's pray out in the hallway. Like I'm trying to be the man of faith. So we go out in the hallway, I'm like, you know, let's just pray. And Father, we pray for Betty. And you know, we're praying in faith. And then the different nurses and techs, they start coming out of the room. They're taking off their gloves, throwing their masks away. They're taking those gowns off and throwing them away. And I'm like, oh, she passed. And then the doctor comes out, takes his mask off, rolls up his gloves, and he goes, well, I don't know what you prayed, but she's awake and she's asking for you. You plus Jesus is a majority in whatever room you walk into. I don't care what the odds are. Well, you, you, you were a pastor on staff. Dude, I was like one step above the janitor. I was not like, a, I was just a regular guy that barely had any faith, that was being mocked by a doctor, surrounded by a room full of people that had no faith. But Jesus living on the inside of you changes whatever room you walk into. But you have to live your life full of yes to the mission that you have been called to, full of the Word of God, full of the Spirit of God, full of the love of God for people, and then just leak wherever you go. Just for fun, those of you who know the story, Betty lived 10 more years. She was in her 80s, mid-80s. And on Christmas Eve, a couple years ago, she was passing and her son-in-law called me and he said, hey, Betty's gonna pass, uh, but we don't want her to ruin Christmas. Can you do that thing again? <laughs> it's a true story. And um, I said, well, when you guys pray, do you feel like this is it? He goes, yeah, we feel good. We feel totally at peace. This is it. Uh, she's lived a great long life and we'll see her in heaven. But can you just maybe ask her to, to wait till after Christmas? So I said, all right, put me on speakerphone. So she's already unconscious. Like she was already comatose. And um, he said, okay, sh you're, she's up against her ear. I said, hey, Betty, it's Pastor Brad again. Don't ruin Christmas for the grandkids. You can go to heaven. I, I forget, it was like a Tuesday. You can go to heaven on Thursday. That was it, amen. Okay, thanks, Pastor Brad. She died on Thursday. God's so good. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I'm telling you he's real. I'm telling you he's absolutely real. Well, my professor in college said, I don't care what your professor in college said. I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen dead people come back to life. I've seen cancer healed. I, I've just seen God do too many. I've seen marriages healed. I've seen drug addicts get set free. I've seen people addicted to pornography get set free. I just, you can't tell me God's not real. I was talking to a guy, it was a train or a plane. I feel like I was coming in or out of New York. And he's like, well, I'm an atheist, blah, blah, blah. And we're trying to talk. And like the conversation wasn't going anywhere. And he's like, how do you know that God is real? I'm like, because I've seen blind eyes open. He's like, did you see the Mets game last night? What are you gonna do? I know God's real. If you're here this morning, you're not right with Jesus. Today's your day to get right with God. Surrender your life to him. Repent of your sin. Ask him to forgive you. Get adopted into the family of God. Begin to grow in your faith. It might be the first time in your life or it could be the first time in a long time you've walked away. Today's your day to get right with God. With every head up and every eye open. If you're here and you wanna pray and ask God to get right, I, I can lead you in that prayer, but I can't pray it for you. 
But if that's you and you're ready to get right with God and you're, maybe you're even at home, you could shoot your hand up. But would you shoot your hand up this morning and just say, preacher, pray for me. Today's my day. I wanna get right with God. I wanna pray and get my heart right with the Lord. I nope, thought I did, just a tall person. Oh, I see your hand over there. Is there anybody else? Just shoot your hand up real high. Good, good. What about you at home? One person's like, dude, today's my day to get right with God. Right there in your living room, right there in your car, in your bedroom. Just shoot your hand up between you and God. Listen, I know you're like, why do you make us have our head up and our eyes open? Other churches, and on Easter, you let us close our eyes. I don't know, dude. Like Jesus hung naked on a cross in front of all of Jerusalem. We can raise our hand and say, I'm gonna get right with God. If we're not, you know, if we're not right with God, like I don't wanna be ashamed of Jesus. I wanna be like, Jesus! Like, you see what I'm saying? So make it easier for us. No, no. Like we, the church has made it way too easy. Even when we pray, it's like, Jesus said, we're supposed to repent of our sin, die to our old self, take up our cross. Like our, our Jesus-filled lives are not at all supposed to look like our old lives. But so many Americans, especially in the South, you know, Texas, Alabama, Louisiana, Carolinas, we just wanna add a little Jesus, just sprinkle a little Jesus on our life. No, no, let's be uncommon. All right, for the sake of the one and for you that are watching online, if you believe it in your heart, pray it out loud. Say, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I repent, I surrender my life to you. Wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I receive the gift of eternal life. I will die to my old life so I can live for you. Help me, Lord, to be so full of your kingdom that I leak wherever I go. Help me, Lord, to respond to the mission for my life and to walk in authority in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.